Should we do like start? You want to start? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We're, we Let's haven't started yet, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Cut this part. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Three, nine, two. Hey there. I am Adrienne. Welcome to Enlightened Couch Potato Podcast, video podcast, show, show. Oh, show. <laughs> I like that. Oh, you the like Enlightened the show? Couch Potato Show. Potato Show. It makes me think of the, uh, the Muppet Show. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Again, I'm Adrienne Gunn. I am here with my friend. Nicholas Rave. Yay. And here, we like to watch television and movie such uh, in a particular way that Nicholas is better at saying the long version. So the philosophy here on the Enlightened Couch Potato show is uh, we discuss how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. Our belief is that stories are powerful and transformational and movies and TV are often thought of as a guilty pleasure for people. But I don't think, we don't think it has to be that way. We think this can actually be as valuable as meditation or any other kind of spiritual work that you do. Journaling, therapy even. Movies and TV can be therapy. So that's the promise of what we're exploring here. And typically how we do that in our episodes, our shows, is we sort of just talk about what we're watching (laughs) and what we're getting from it. So do you want to do you want to do the what we're watching now or do you want to talk about? So when we talk about utilizing television as a transformational tool, we actually talk about it in this way because we in our work together, we discovered that we both watch television in a particular way and yeah. we hadn't heard of other people doing it. Mm-hmm. Like actually using television as a tool for breakthrough, a tool for transformation. And yeah. that came up in a personal conversation. Do you want to start yeah. here and move in? <clears throat> I forgot you were going to bring this up. <laughs> so the, <laughs> last week we didn't have a session. And yeah. the reason was because I called it off for something I don't think I've ever done before which was it wasn't for physical reasons like i wasn't sick or injured it was for emotional reasons and um i don't typically do that i mean like even physical reasons i'm i'm typically have a a pretty bad habit i think of just being like no we're doing this and then i have a lot of consequences and uh cost to that ignoring the signals of my body and self-care and all that stuff but this time it was for emotional reasons. So uh, without going into a ton of detail, I ended up calling Adrienne like a day or two later and telling her about what was going on. So for me, I'm a big believer and proponent of um, a book and philosophy called Radical Honesty. And um, that has led me on a journey of going back and having conversations with people from my past who maybe I'm not really connected to anymore, or maybe I am, but it's superficial, or maybe we have a good connection, but there's just certain topics that we don't discuss. Mm -hmm. And going back, and there's a reason why we don't, because there's charge there, there's some tension, there's some unresolved something or other. So a lot of this for me has been going back through and cleaning up or trying to clean up messes that I've made in relationships in the past. Um, and I decided after many years of doing this, that I was finally ready to reach out to an old friend from my childhood who I really, really fucked up that relationship in a, in a crazy, like, this is a hard thing for me to process kind of way. And the truth is I have not been emotionally prepared to even try to reconnect and try to fix what I did. Um, and, uh, I did, I reached out and I reconnected and I have started the process of trying to clean up the mess to reconcile and, um, Oh, what's the word? Um, not reconciliation. There's another word that Liz uh, was using that's like forgiveness, but then there's also like making it right. But I can't Mm -hmm. remember what the word is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, 
Yeah. So last week when our podcast was happening, I was deep in the middle of just kind of looking at this thing that I had been going, mm, let's just not think about that. Let's not talk about that. Let's just keep moving forward on life. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things I shared with you, I'm just keep going until sure. I feel like I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember um, the punchline where we get to, but yeah, go where you go. Um, one of the things that inspired this was that um, I felt like I was waiting to have certain things handled in my life. I was waiting to like reach certain thresholds and um, I wasn't reaching them for a long time and I haven't been. And then I had this insight and a meditation that was like, well, maybe you're not going to until you go back and fix this. And it was like, I'll go back and fix it once I've achieved these check boxes. And the flip for me was maybe you're never going to achieve those check boxes until you go back and face this and try to fix it and make it right and do whatever you can and whatever it takes. So um, I'm going to pause on purpose, please. There is a person I'm connected to uh, Dean. His last name is not jumping in my head right now because I didn't know I was going to talk about him, but uh, uh, another person in professional and personal development who has a philosophy that your success, one of the barriers and blocks in your success is those people who you haven't forgiven mm. and that energy that you're holding around the people who have harmed you and hurt you. And so as you're talking, I was like, you know, what's also apparent is that the block can also be those whom we've har- harmed, that there's a there's an area of blocks around achievement or growth that could be about reconciling those things from our past that yeah. either someone hurt us and it's we're holding on to that and it's somewhere as a blockage or people we've hurt and that's a blockage. Well, I'll take the word forgiveness and run with it there too and just say those that you've hurt in the past where you have not forgiven yourself and yeah. you haven't tried to get, you, you haven't done what's necessary. Because like I was prepared that when I reached out to this person that if I got an email back, if I never got an email, I would be like, okay, well, I tried. And maybe I would try more, but there would be a certain point when I would be like, okay, it's done. And then if I got an email back that said, fuck off, I never want to hear from you again, I would be like, okay, I will respect that. Um, But I didn't, which means for me, I think the door is open to try to do something to make it better. And I don't think that uh, it's one of these things that's like running under the surface in your life for like 10 years Mm -hmm. and you don't realize how much emotional energy is being utilized or sucked into that thing and how many ways that it's affecting your worldview and your beliefs about yourself. And another part of the motivation for me was I, I, (laughs) it happened somewhat randomly that I was texting back and forth with a friend, different friend. And I kept like, she would text me and then I wouldn't text her back for like a week or two. And then at some point, like this is a thing I have done quite a bit, but she called me on it and she was like, Hey, are you like really bad at texting or something? And it was like, I really appreciate that. Shout out Gina. If you, if you're watching this, I really appreciated that. She was like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I, and I was like, I was like, I wanted to get defensive, but I was like, Oh yeah, I'm totally, she's right. And then I started going, why do I do that? Yeah. And it led me to the down this road of like, I have a lot of hard time like maintaining relationships with with everyone, but a very tight knit group here in the middle. Um, And especially relationships with men like male guy friends or it's hard for me to do. And when I trace that back, I was like, oh, this is why. And Mm -hmm. this is the mess you got to go try to clean up at least. Um. And, and I've already seen just the small steps I've taken already. I've seen it start to trickle down into my life and into, um, yeah. So Adrienne Here's, was one of the people that I called yeah. when I was uh, deep in the shitter last week. So what I got to witness was you in the middle of your shame storm, which is what Brene Brown would call it. Mm-hmm. And 
here's what the experience was for me was I could feel the tingly sensations of my own past mistakes and mm. people that I'd stomped on and didn't mean to or did mean to. And I can feel that. And I continued to listen. And I I offered I offered no advice really. I was like, that's really freaking hard. And I did share some of my own personal experience with with some of that stuff because here's I've learned recently I'm not saying that I have the rule book for what friends should do, but what I chose to do in that situation was listen fully, sit with him in the, in the emotional state that he was in, share my own experience. And the entire time there was this voice that just kept shouting the same things right over here, just the same thing over and over and over again with weird delight but also waiting its turn for the right moment. <laughs> the only piece of advice you actually gave me. The only suggestion that I gave him was, and after we'd come to like moments of like, I, I ha- this is what keeps coming up for me. I think this would be the perfect time for you. And of course, I would say this for you to watch Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, we we told you it was going to be relevant. Like, it it comes full circle to the podcast. We went on that long journey. Yeah. Just because that's why we didn't have a a podcast last week. But also because... Okay, so when we say (laughs) that we watch television in a particular way, and when we say that we get healing and transformation from shows, instantaneously, when, when we're talking about you've hurt someone, maybe they won't forgive you. Maybe you need to figure out how to forgive yourself. Maybe you don't feel trustworthy and you don't know whether you're dangerous or not as you move and step forward. I kept thinking of Xena Warrior Princess because it's the only show that I've seen where the entire premise of the show is someone who has done tremendous amounts of damage and hurt. Now, she was rambunctious, and it starts like this. She's feisty. Um, She's always, like, played with her older brothers, sword fighting, that sort of thing. Warlords are attacking her village, and she inspires the whole village to take up arms and swords and fight them. But they lose, Uh, and her brother is killed. And so her family turns on her, her town, whoever's left turns on her, and she is hurt and goes out into the world and becomes a warlord herself. Because we can talk about that pattern. That happens a lot. Mm. Uh, And so for 10 years, she's killing people, slaughtering people, ruining things. And somewhere in the uh, Hercules show, she gets a three episode arc where she eventually becomes someone who wants to do good. And so the whole journey for her is about redemption, about what that looks like. But it's not fast. It's not something that happens in 90 minutes. It's not something Mm. that happens in two and a half hours. Yeah. It's not a trilogy length. It is six seasons of of slowly embracing yourself and slowly walking each day. And it's also about what that journey of redemption, how that affects the people that you're closest to, the people that you love. Mm. So as he was talking about his own sense of this, I was like, I have seen a version of what it looks like to continue to own your own darkness However, it shows up. I, that's what was great for me watching the show was figuring out how to own my own darkness, how to how to wear the innocence loss because there's a character Gabrielle who's more of an innocent but still rambunctious and and where where it, it, it you know where you can make new choices and be on a path rather than I don't know that we just solve everything. And so mm. I wanted to, we were, we were thinking, so here's the story. Here's this thing that happened that kept us from doing the episode. And my, my one directive was it could be useful to watch this because it's a funny show. It's not yeah. necessarily a highly serious show. It is kooky and ridiculous. And still they handle these harder themes. Of- when you, when you brought that up, it made me start thinking of other stories or movies that have that. And I thought of like Spider-Man where he's 
he feels responsible for his uncle Ben's death. And that's part of the impetus that to, to take up the spider mantle. (laughs) Um, uh, But you know what I was thinking about when you were just telling that about Xena and what you get out of an experience like that is coming from a background of NLP. It's a reframe Mm -hmm. where like when you share a metaphor that is one of the pieces of advice we often give for reframes is take the person's problem and then uh, cross contextualize it and make it bigger. So the story you tell should be, oh, you think that's bad, but it's not downplaying it. It's saying, yes, this is really hard. And look at what this other person who faced something even harder, mm-hmm. look at how they faced it. Yeah. And the be- the best way to make that story actually resonate with the person is that it has to be a struggle. Like it has to be hard because that's what they're going through. It can't be, well, you know, this other person had a thing that was even worse than you and they handled it. And it was no problem. What the fuck is wrong with you? No. <laughs> it's like, no, they went through something that was as hard or harder than you. And look how much they struggled. Maybe they struggled even more than you, but then what did they do? What did they learn? What were the lessons that helped them to finally overcome this situation? That's the power of a metaphor. That's it's a reframe on your life where your unconscious looks at the story and goes, Oh, that's kind of like our situation. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder if I could learn something from this. And it happens yeah. unconsciously. Um, that's why people are drawn to certain stories. And it's helpful that... So I find Xena a, a, a challenging show to recommend to people because it's it's supremely from a completely different era of television. And if... If people weren't part of that era of television, this is back like Xena, Buffy, X-Files all sort of showed up around the same time. And television didn't start with a story and then complete the storyline. Television was weird and they would be interrupted for dumb things like uh, like sporting. I mean, sporting events aren't dumb things, but like they wouldn't film. You might have a continual story arc, but then you'd have these like toss away episodes in there that go out of order that don't make any sense. And then on top of that, it's just, it's a quirky show. Sometimes you'll have a serious show. Sometimes you'll have a weird bloopers show where it's all um, slapstick and it's ridiculous. Whenever those episodes would come on, I would just go back to my actress and just pretend I was getting to be (laughs) them doing this show because sometimes it was harder for me to watch the goofier shows. But because because it has so many colors to it, it's really challenging to be like, yeah, watch it. You'll love it <laughs> because you you wouldn't really get the through line unless you'd made it through like eight episodes. And you're like, OK, yeah, I can kind of find out why this would be fun. I don't remember the 90s because I was two because some people were two in the 90s that you t- and yeah. they talk now. What, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> But in this case, I happen to know that you have a broad variety of things you're able to watch. And because Zena, her her destructive past continues to show up in different ways, even mm. as she's walking a path of redemption. And I and I think it's because it's playful and fun sometimes, I it wouldn't be a punishment. And you would just happen to be joyfully <laughs> learning stuff. Well, I wouldn't watch it if I was if I wasn't enjoying it. But uh, can <laughs> I can I take this opportunity to jump into the yeah. what we've been watching because yeah. I feel a really nice transition here. Right. So I don't know if you noticed in the comments, but my girlfriend Lindsay just said I used to watch Xena Warrior Princess every day after school, and I can't wait to rewatch it with this frame in mind. So she and I have been watching a show that when you were describing that kind of goofy slapstick, silly kind of nineties thing, mm-hmm. um, we've been watching a show called the 10th kingdom. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. So it's like a mini series ish. Um, like they were like 90 minute episodes, but I think there's like four or five of them. We haven't finished it yet, but um, it's, it's got that like, what is this like it's so goofy and like the choices that the characters make and the lines and stuff you're just like this feels like it was made in the 90s 
but it wasn't. It was made <laughs> in the 2000s something. I can't remember when. Um, it's adorable is what I would say. Uh -huh. But what's funny to me about it is that even though it's goofy as all get out, it is still playing on themes in, uh, you know what it is? Like you've seen the show Once Upon a Time, right? Yes. Okay, so Once Upon a Time is a show about how <clears throat> like fairy tale land with like Snow White and Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast. And I think they basically did all the Disney properties <laughs> in that show. Um, Robin Hood, all these characters are real in this other realm, which I love that gimmick because I often think of anytime you go to a magical realm in a story, it is representative of the unconscious mind. So mm -hmm. then you can really get into the idea that these are different aspects of you and aspects of your unconscious. Right. Well, so this is like once upon a time, but slapstick and silly. It's like once upon a time, Xena, Hercules kind of thing. And yeah. um, the special effects are kind of hokey. Um, like one of the main characters is the wolf of like the big bad wolf. Yeah. Um, and there's like these different kingdoms and they're all ruled by different queens like Cinderella and Snow White. And the big bad is, um, I, I want to say it's the, the stepmother. No, 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 no. The big bad. I can't reveal who that is. That ends up being, but she was like the apprentice of the, the witch, the evil queen who gave Snow White the poisoned apple. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then they get sucked through a portal. These two characters from Manhattan get sucked through a portal into this other um, place. And then they go around and there's trolls chasing them. And um, it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really fun, though. I I've been enjoying it. And it's an it's an exercise in let yourself uh, let yourself go. And one of the things that I have found really fun and Lindsay doesn't mind at all is I've been kind of mystery science theatering as we go through oh. it where like I'll make jokes about the silliness and weirdly that doesn't take me out of it. Like there's a kind of, I mean, there's definitely a way that you can be critical of something that, that is distancing yourself from yeah. it and, um, and resisting it. But there's there's another way of like playing with it and pointing out like its silliness that I feel like can actually quiet those critical voices. And it helps me to enjoy it more, even though it is kind of silly and over the top. And because in some ways there's a version of there's a version of humor where you join you join the same frequency, you join the same humor that's happening and you get to be a part of it. That's um, one of the reasons why I love what I started. So I said weeks ago that I started rewatching legends of tomorrow. I'm also mm -hmm. wearing my legends of tomorrow Bebo shirt. Nice. <laughs> Let's screw things up. That's a fabulous shirt. Yeah. Right. Chainsaw and little, what is that? Oh, that's Bebo. So legends of tomorrow is one of those, uh, spinoffs from arrow. And what's interesting uh -huh. is I had always described the show as the first season, they're taking themselves very seriously. The second season, they actually recognize who they have as characters yeah. and start not taking themselves so seriously and really embracing who, who's, go, who's there and the way that they keep sort of messing up these missions as they're time traveling. So Legends of Tomorrow is a group of like, like B-level or like second tier superheroes going and trying to save any aberrations of time along the timeline. Yeah. It's their job to make sure that the timeline is protected. <laughs> they're, um, they're, uh, they, they're a troubled bunch. By the second season, they start saying the phrase, don't call us heroes, we're legends. And everybody introduces it differently. And so normally in a show, the first season is you know building the world. The second season is exploring each of the characters. So they do a bit of that. And the top of this week, I finally got to the, like, I waited a little because I, like, season three of Legends of Tomorrow is one of the best seasons of television, I think, ever. Season wow. two of Arrow is really freaking good. If you're going to go look at, like, all of the CW TV shows, you can hands down say Arrow season two and Legends season three is 
like the best that could exist in comic book TV world. And so I sort of paused because I'm like, oh my God, it's so good. I'm so excited to be back to this because not only do they now, they're not taking themselves so seriously. They're not being precious with their characters. They're also not being precious with history. They're not being precious also because it's sort of, um, sort of Canadian produced for some reason, the Canadian perspective on uh, U.S. pop culture, they like they love it. It shows up in Lost Girl too. Like the Canadians love U.S. pop culture, so that gets a little funny. And I kept feeling the first time I watched it, like live as it was happening, I kept getting really, really giddy and giggling and cheering and leaping off my couch. And I wished that I could have been in the writers' room where they were making all of these choices because. I think they finally, much like Thor Ragnarok, yeah. where they finally got yeah. to just find a new flavor and a new way of telling a story. Guardians of, Ga- of the Galaxy is, is this way too. This season just drops you into the, the high drama that can exist, the general themes and superhero shows that can exist. And for me right now, it's fun to rewatch shows that I already loved because Mm, it's kind of like having a dessert, you know, you're going to like, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a pleasure you can drop and fully embrace. And right now I've been having trouble like picking shows where I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And here I already know I'm going to be safe. I already know this yeah. season is going to take care of me. And now I can get new depths of, of emotional stuff. So I've been like sobbing. <laughs> I'm not gonna like. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff. I've Just because like, you've seen it before doesn't mean it can't. Like, there's some things. I think we've said this before. There's some things you watch again, and you're able to go there emotionally even more the more times you watch it. Like that's Moana for me. Is yeah. like that that movie when I first watched it, I was like, wow, this is really good, and now. I almost don't stop crying as soon as the movie is on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Moana at this actually Moana does seem to get harder to watch without sobbing each time I've watched it. Yeah. That's weird and delightful. It's beautiful. It's so good. Um, Speaking of comfort food. Yeah. uh, We also, when we needed a break from other stuff that we were watching, we've been uh, rewatching Futurama Mm -hmm. um, because Lindsay, I think had only seen like a couple of seasons. And so we started where she left off and we're continuing. I think I've seen that show uh, probably two or three times, almost every single episode. That's like a put it on in the background for me, kind of um, comfort food. And one of the things that I was blown away by this time, I mean, Futurama is famous for being funny and poignant. And there are some episodes, uh, there's one in particular called, I think it's called Jurassic Bark. Mm-hmm. Um, and that episode is famous for being just like, it's a punch in the gut emotionally. Like you're, you're watching it and it's funny and it's, and then it gets to the end and it just takes this. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil it. It just takes this right turn where you're like, what the, that's the end of the episode. And it's like heartbreakingly beautiful and poetic. Mm. Um, And it's sad for sure. Tragic, but it's also got these elements of like loyalty and love and beauty. And it's, it's definitely like it's Shakespearean. I would say it's Shakespearean in the sense that we don't make stories that end that way anymore, where you leave going, I have to process some things now, (laughs) (laughs) but this is a fucking cartoon. Like a comp is, it's not supposed to be silly, funny, whatever. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've noticed with it is it has such a dense, um, joke per minute ratio like i started paying attention because i've seen it so many times i started paying attention to how many lines have a joke of some sort in it and it's amazing that these writers can tell a story that's cohesive and moves from point to point and jumps from character to character and they figure out something funny for every single line like at least one joke in almost every single line as you go through there's no filler 
Yeah, um, it's just like that. It's so perfect. I agree. Agree. That's, that was hard for me to watch because of that. Yeah, it's so quick and it just doesn't stop. Yeah. Yeah, I had a roommate like that once. <laughs> just wanted to talk about a thing, and he was like, "We'll get to the thing." Nine, 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 nine jokes. I'm like, "Yeah, none of those were funny, but they were exhausting." <laughs> Can we just talk about the thing? But yeah, it's fascinating. that does sound like Deadpool. Not so much Futurama. <laughs> Nice. Yay. (laughs) I saw. So last week, what I wanted to talk about briefly, I saw a perfect movie. Oh, I saw a perfect movie. Do tell. Although I have to say the caveat, the title is not perfect. Oh, it takes me a minute to remember. I think the title of the movie is the half of it. It's on Netflix. I think it came on Netflix maybe a week ago. I'll watch it again. I love the movie. I'll watch it again to figure out where the heck the title comes from because it makes no sense to me in the, in the sense that it is, it's a, it's a Cyrano de Bergerac movie. So this young woman who writes everybody's it's high school set in high school in a small town, this young woman who writes everybody's essays, a football player comes up to her and asks her to help him write a love letter to connect with this this young woman he's got a crush on. Turns out she also has a crush on that. Uh-huh. So it's Cyrano de Bergerac, but with a twist. <laughs> yeah. This and movie, no nose. Yeah. I call this, I'm, I'm saying it's a perfect movie because in such a short amount of time, we get to the heart of each of the characters and they each have because of this interaction with each other, they each, they each have fun learnings. They each are changed in ways that are delightful. It's, I think they, the, the writer plays that this is not a love story. It's a love story. That's not a love story. And it's the right slow. It's the right heartfelt. It's the right kind of fast to, to just be useful. I found myself having moments of recognizing places where I didn't show up with courage. That was one of the themes that came up for me as I saw, I saw some of these people being very, very brave and mm. open and honest. Mm. And I just was like, Oh, well, like, yeah. High school me was high school. Me willing to be that mm. open also was Mm-mm. even recent me also capable of yeah. being that kind of open. And I, I loved that, just sort of like being pantsed in the middle of the movie. And like, look at that. Look at that heartfelt, courageous thing that person just said and showed themselves. Yeah. They, just, they just handed the gift of themselves to another person and see how great that went. Yeah, my, the, my, my comment that came to mind on that is <clears throat> uh, it, it feels easier to do that sometimes when you're younger because you don't know what's at stake as much. Yeah. And um, like, I remember being, I, but I wouldn't call it brave because I wasn't afraid because I didn't know how much it would hurt to put yourself out there. And then the trick is though, to stay that open Mm -hmm. when you know full well, how much is at stake when you know how much you could be hurt. It's so easy to close off, and um and not be that bold and and brave um yeah that sounds awesome perfect movies are a thing there are there are a lot of perfect movies where you're just like yeah yeah that's i think john wick is a perfect movie yeah i mean (laughs) for what it is right the writing's great the the cinematography is great the soundtrack is great like yeah it, it does it does what it's meant to do like it drops you into the world it drops you into the world of those characters it's all believable it's easy to say yes to and then you come out feeling yeah i like i felt like that i felt like i wanted the the ability to write a movie like that Mm. to tell a story that concisely with heart cool yeah well, that sounds great. I'm definitely going to mention it to Liz because that sounds like her cup of tea for sure. I don't yeah. know if if I will get around to watching it necessarily, um, but I think she will give me a report back on it and I'll share it with you. <laughs> nice. Did you have another movie or a thing? I did. <clears throat> Speaking of perfect movies, 
Yeah. I, I will caveat that by saying I think there are a lot of people who don't agree, but fuck them. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> we um, had a really wonderful day. Friend came to visit um, someone who's in our social distancing circle. <laughs> and um, we all hung out on Friday, had an amazing day, really emotional, open, connecting. And then at one point, my friend mentioned that he had never seen a movie. And we all kind of turned and looked at him and were like, what? <laughs> and uh, the movie that he hadn't seen was a movie called V for Vendetta. Have you ever oh, seen it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Remember, remember the 5th of November. So, oh, God damn, I love that movie. It's so good. And yeah. it, it's hard to talk about it without talking about uh, Alan Moore, who, like, uh, the movie's based on a graphic novel written by Alan Moore, the same guy who wrote The Watchmen and uh, one of my, probably my all-time favorite graphic novel, which is called Promethea, which is mm. incredible. Everything Alan Moore writes is genius. Like, I don't say that word lightly. He is one of my favorite brains in all of history, just whatever he does. I'm like, Holy crap. So he has notoriously, um, disowned every attempt to adapt his, um, books into anything else. Um, mm. he basically said, uh, I think he maybe tried to be involved at first when they first started trying to adapt stuff. And he just very quickly was like, Oh, Hollywood is terrible. And he's <laughs> like, no, I don't care. So he, what he basically says is I don't give a shit, do whatever you want, but you're not going to get my blessing. Right. Because he largely says, I made the thing. I told the story I wanted to tell in the medium that I wanted to tell it. Yes. So if you want to adapt it fine, but it was meant to be a, a graphic novel pictures on a page with words. Um, so there's been a number of attempts to adapt his movies. Um, uh, the Watchmen is pretty good, although it's mostly just like a shot for shot remake of, of the graphic novel. It's, a, it's pretty good. It's okay. It doesn't blow my mind. Um, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is an abomination um, and, uh, the graphic novel is brilliant and, yeah. and nuanced and fun and interesting. And the movie is terrible. Mr. Sean Connery. Is in oh yes. Lord. That, you know, that movie made Sean Connery quit acting. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was going to be Gandalf in Lord of the Rings <laughs> and he was so fed up with, uh, after, uh, <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that he was like, fuck it. And thank God <laughs> Ian McKellen oh, wow. took that part. So um, so uh, there's a movie called From Hell with, with Johnny Depp that was also terrible. And the, gra the graphic novel is amazing. Yeah. So uh, V for Vendetta is the one adaptation of his that I'm, I'm like, okay, I think they nailed it. And I think it's largely because the Wachowskis uh, were heavily involved in the making of that movie and they went to Alan Moore directly and said, will you make an exception? Will you please give us your blessing? And he was like, no, nope, don't care. <laughs> He's just a very grumpy old man in a lot of ways, but sure, um, sure. yeah, I, I respect him. So Viva Vendetta. So just can, are we spoilers? Are we spoilers or <sighs> I it's usually been try out not for to, a long time. It's been like yeah. 15 years. Like sure. I think we're past the, statute yeah, it of serves the if it serves the heart of our show go for it yeah yeah i mean I, I just the the political commentary the um i, I think it's very easy to see it as like a 9-11 truther kind of thing and i don't <laughs> that's not the point folks that's not what they're saying um because there's the whole story about the government like poisons a bunch of people and then blames it on terrorists so that they can get more fascistic control, um, which certainly has echoes to things. I, I understand that was a weird thing to be watching right now, for sure. Um, this microphone. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing that still just like that, that is so beautifully captured in that movie is uh, what happens to Natalie Portman's character where she is, um, uh, she, she, she tries to help V and then he takes her, 
so that she doesn't get captured by the police. And she says, thank you. But like, I'm not, I'm not like my parents. They were politically active and they were like trying to make the world a better place. And I'm scared. And I wish I wasn't. I wish I didn't have that fear, but I do. And I can't help you. And so then she leaves and she uh, hides someplace and then um, she's going to get captured by the cops um, and then probably interrogated and executed. And instead, unbeknownst to her, he captures her and then puts her in a cell and puts her through hell and keeps asking her to sell him out he's torturing her and saying sell out the terrorist and she refuses to do it until she gets all the way to the very end of the time there and they're like we're going to execute you we're going to take you out behind a shed and shoot you and he said all you have to do is give them anything just you don't have to die for this guy he probably doesn't even care about you and she says i'd prefer to be shot behind the shed and he says then you're free now of fear and he walks up and leaves and she and then you have this like twist moment like sixth sense usual suspects like what the fuck and she's coming out and going like all this is fake and and this this the emotional release and response that she has and the one thing i'd never noticed before is in that moment he mentions he's like i'm so sorry that I did this to you, but you said you wished to be free of the fear. Yeah. And like for him to hear that line for her to be like, I wish I wasn't afraid and to be like, okay, okay, I'll help you. Obviously I don't condone this because (laughs) it's non-consensual, like horrible torture for a person, but to go through this experience in a story and to see where she journeys to. And then this thing about like how he, he went through that too, because he left this, this, um, this note that was written on toilet paper in her cell um, from someone else who had been in the cell next to his and she was reading it. And it was the thing that like gave her hope and kept her alive. And just that, that parallel of him being like, Oh, I went through what you went through. And that note was real. That's what it yeah. meant to me too. It's just incredible storytelling and writing. And, and Natalie Portman is, I can't believe she didn't get an Academy award. I mean, I'm glad she did for black Swan, yeah. but like that, performance was so believable and so hard and and emotional and difficult to watch yeah um yeah uh the non-consent bit bit non-withstanding it reminds me of when this the the covid sheltering started happening liz liz gilbert and many other people were reminding us that we are from people who have survived hard things who have have um, triumphed through hard things and this idea about this this letter and this bit of hope and this struggle mm. that he had had and then she had as well just reminded me of that sort of lineage of struggle which also I think it actually somewhat transitions into the thing I was going to share it's kind of fun you were saying earlier the nice thing about a metaphor is that you can take a story and see somebody going through something and then you can point to something when this person went through something that was even more challenging and how useful that is. Yeah. If they can survive that, I can survive. This is kind of the implicit. And I've been thinking of all of the, you know, like seeing behind me, like my mental picture behind me of all of the family trees as this literal extension of, of, of every ancestor who had to figure out, you know, like fermenting and had to figure out slavery and had to figure out like, you know, whether or not they're going to be burned at the stake, all the things that any of my ancestors figured out so that I can exist as, as we're in this like place of, of not knowing. Um, And even just recognizing the difference between had I been raised by my grandparents, had I, and any set of them, either of the set of them, what my life would have been like. I might've had an experience that mirrors the humans that my parents are and how fortunate I am to have had them as parents. Yeah. As challenging as any of that has been, 
you know, that kind of like legacy forward. Um, I find that there are a lot, a surprising number of movies, uh, particularly kind of trippy, almost psychedelic kind of movies where the, the, um, the secret message in the movie is about tapping into your ancestors or your past lives. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I think that's a really powerful metaphor. Whether you believe that it's true or not, whether you believe that you, there is actually a soul that's being reincarnated or passed down, I don't think, for me personally, that part actually matters. Because if you just begin to, like you can think of it as DNA memory, like mm -hmm. what is the thing inside you that that it, that uh, that has been <laughs> alive and tr passed down for thousands of generations since before we were even human. Mm -hmm. Like that is a profound, expansive idea to be like, there are people in your past who have lived through anything and everything you can imagine that's possible. Yeah. And those resources to face challenges and difficulties, they're accessible when you start to open your mind to those possibilities. Movies are a way to access it. For me, I do a lot of that work with hypnosis. Totally. Like there's a, there's a hallway in the mind that you can go to with an infinite number of doors in that hallway. And you, those doors can lead you anywhere. Mm -hmm. They can lead you to a life where you had whatever kind of experience that you need to access right now. And that that hallway with the doors is a very simple way to just go anywhere yeah. to, to access anything. And I've done a, a closed eye meditation where I have recognized that my DNA is connected to everyone in my lineage that's ever been, has been influenced by everything that's existed because we're all connected. And if we're energy, yeah. then if I just get very quiet and still and connect to the wisdom yeah. that I need, it'll just show up and maybe, yeah. it, you know, and it's like, Hey, if you could make it obvious, if you can make it a, a picture, if you can make it a voice that I hear yeah. so that I get the knowing that I, that I need right now. I've done that. Uh, it's funny. It works. I, so I had this story when I was telling friends of mine about our show, about the concept, even before we started it, a friend of mine asked me, he was like, was there a particular moment that you had where you knew for sure that this was like phenomenal to be able to watch television in the way that you do was effective? What, what was that moment? And I kept, I kept thinking about recent moments after I'd already decided that, you know, the TV yeah. can be a tool of transformation and only three days ago, I think, did I actually remember what the moment was? Really? Yes. And I have a I have a list too, but I don't know if I could pin it down to the moment. I, I honestly don't even remember the chronology, but I have a list of highlights of like when it started to form. But I'm really mm -hmm. curious. So what's so what was the moment? I have always watched I've always watched television. I've always had this open access. It's always moved me and always been important. But then the time where I'm like no, this is profound. This is a practice. Like just this. Sometimes yeah. my realizations just show up. It's like this. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I know that voice. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't have much more to say. Than Sometimes it doesn't this. even. It's just. And because of my value around spoilers. I'm going to do my best to tell you what happened in the story and the moment for me without telling you which show it was, if that's okay. okay. All right. Okay. Let me see if I can do this. So this show is set in space and it is an adventure and there are, you know, pilots and people who fly and that sort of thing. So there is a character in the show that is very uh, stubborn. Uh, she... She's hot-headed, hard-headed. She is a, a, a pilot. And she is the kind of character who, maybe you can relate to this, who always felt like she had to prove herself. Always felt like she had to, like, was very, very competitive. 
had to show everybody, had to be the best at everything she did. She's up longer, but she's also a bit destructive. That energy of just like working so hard to prove herself against all of these other dudes, right? Who were theoretically stronger, maybe faster, but she had to be stronger and faster than they were. And you could tell that probably there was some sort of challenge or some, uh, I don't know, what do they call it? Damage when they're describing women damage (laughs) that gave her this sort of audacity to, to break through barriers and take bigger risks than other people would do with like an audacious and just like crass. And this show, it lasts a few years. It lasts like five or six years. We don't for a while begin to understand what that drama or trauma was in her past until and this is the kind of person who's so hot-headed. I, I the what is it? The more recent. I haven't seen the last last. The second. The second to last Star Wars, where we get the fun new wisdom of Leia, General Leia, sharing that uh, that there's a bigger picture beyond that hothead fighter pilot, and what they think is best for everyone is not necessarily taking in the bigger picture. It's the first time that we've called BS on this like this hero figure. And, and, and that's the one thing I will give credit for that movie for bringing, bringing to the world. So she is one of those hot-headed fighters who almost always isn't the one that they pick to be in charge or be the leader because they know that she's pretty destructive. Except in this instance, she has all of the skill sets to suddenly save the whole world save all of humanity for some reason she is called upon to now like she's their only hope and she heads out on this quest that's you know it's one of those one of those things where there's like like a 0.05 percent chance that she'll succeed but you need someone who is gonna do it you know god forbid be damned She's going to squeeze out the last bit of whatever is left in her herself and her plane or whatever to, to get things done. And there's some moment at which she has doubt. And suddenly we see, I think we've been getting like triggers of her relationship with her mother, which was incredibly abusive. We start to see where the trauma came from. And her mother was very hard on her, very cold, very unloving. And in the middle of this like world-saving quest, we recognize that for some reason, her mother was given the flash of insight from some entity somewhere of what her daughter was going to have to accomplish mm-hmm. for the world. And she had no idea how to prepare her to be that strong Mm. and to be able to accomplish this thing. Now I'm watching this show and I've been watching for years at this point and I'm like like back and forth between loving this this hard character and hating the hard character and recognizing that those are things that I've experienced. Oh, I have to win. I have to prove I would be better and stronger than the boys. Fuck, they got testosterone. Grr, how can I beat testosterone? It's such like it's nitrous. That's not fair. Fuck that. I'm a badass, right? my own sense of relating to this character. And then they drop into these moments of the mother knew that her daughter was meant for this gigantic and huge thing that no one has ever been able to accomplish before. And with whatever tools the mother had, she had to prepare. It's almost like discovering, like if if you went up to Mary and you're like, Hey, by the way, your child. Yeah needs to do this thing like there's a song about that is it (laughs) yeah yeah mary did you know oh cool yeah that's a beautiful version of that i was watching this show and i started convulsing and shaking the moment that i recognized that all Mm. of the the challenges in her personality and the the hate she had the anger she had towards her mother was and, and the fact that her mother just didn't have a lot of tools mm-hmm. other than to be distant and hard because her daughter was going to need to be strong and bigger than this challenge and, mm. and feisty in a particular way. And I was just like ah, sobbing and shaking in the ways that it 
may have been my own story that that I, I think most parents get the sense that they have to prepare their children for a hard world. Yeah. And the links between my mother's story and my story of she had an idea of what she was preparing me for. And I'd never seen, I'd never seen that story awesome. or it hadn't been so highlighted to me until that moment. And I, I didn't see it coming. And I was already watching like this, this show had a lot of spiritual themes. So I was already in that open state, not recognizing that this was going to heal and shift hmm. anger that I'd had towards ways that my mother chose to raise me. And this was the first moment that you were like, oh, this is changing me. Yeah. 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 And I just like, it had been cracked open here and there. And I've talked about how like once upon a time, but like that movie, not movie, that show like matched the way that I, that I came up from my couch that day. I was changed completely mm. forever mm -hmm. and not just oh like slightly cracked open but just done perspective shifted yeah yeah it's an interesting way to tell that story without knowing what the show is for you to be like okay <laughs> well, I'm just i tried. tell you like <laughs> i i don't know i i have a couple guesses but i think i'm wrong um but i'm i'm like I, I wonder if that's a good way to do this because I couldn't stop thinking about what's the show? What's the show? Is that, is it this show? Is it this show? And I don't know how much the audience was doing that versus paying attention to the that's fair. important parts of the story. I don't know either, but it's um, like, it's been maybe 10 years since I watched the show and the specific arc is a huge ridiculously huge big ass spoiler mm. so i'm like how how can i talk about this without ruining a show i think it worked uh, honestly okay. like for me I, I enjoyed it and i was it wrapped attention for uh for the story part um i just think that's a really that's a different way to tell it is is like uh, I, I'm imagining <laughs> doing hypnosis with somebody and then being like, let me tell you a story um, <laughs> about a young farm boy who lived in a desert <laughs> on a planet <laughs> and he meets a wizard and like you can tell the story right. without saying what the story is. And at some point they might be like, Is this Star Wars? Are you telling me Star Wars right now? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. That an infinite supply of stories. That's good. We can just like play with uh, any of our next clients that are, are having hypnosis, just like mm -hmm. somewhere in the metaphor. We just mm -hmm. tell an episode. Well, I'm putting together a new NLP training right now. And I've been working on the metaphors section and being mm -hmm. like, how do you teach metaphors at a deeper level than they normally do? And like, there are, there's structures to it, but the shorthand, I think the secret is watch a lot of movies and TV and then just tell those fucking stories. Yeah. What have I ever seen? Cause you've digested thousands of hours of storytelling at this point. So if you can just uh, regurgitate some of that, that's a, not a great internal representation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that like, like, here's some homework then. <laughs> have you, because it mixes two things I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about how, you know, you can, you can, you can drop into your own DNA, you can drop into your lineage and you can ask them for help in any situation you want. You can sit down and you can watch a TV show or movie in a way where you're like, I want to feel change in this particular way. I'm watching this go. Right. I think you could also journal out whatever your challenges are or struggle is, and then get up, walk around, jump up and down, read what the problem is. And then just be like, if I were going to tell this person to watch a movie, Right. What would be what the assignment? I tell them to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, prescribed movies, um, like go take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> Which is essentially what I did. We were talking about earlier. Like, yeah. I think you have an acute something, something, and here's you treat it with Xenoboria princess. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think it, it, it's brilliant. 
Right on. Um, and I, de- I definitely think it fits in with our philosophy here. So we just hit an hour. Yeah, that's all I, I think wanted we're good. to talk about. I, yep, we hit all the things for me. So <laughs> thanks for hey. hanging out. Thanks for joining. We shall see you a different see time. See you next week, everybody. See you next week, Adrienne. Or I'll see you in a couple days. Okay. Perfect. All right. <laughs> all go right, take you deeply. Bye-bye. Yes.